We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? It is Tuesday in Chiefs Kingdom. We appreciate you for spending part of your day with us. Today's little factoid or nugget is, did you know that the Chiefs will be taking on the Jaguars this Sunday? You probably didn't know that, but head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, Doug Peterson, did you know he was actually the starting quarterback for the first professional NFL game that Andy Reid coached? Uh, back with the Philadelphia Eagles back in 1999 uh, after drafting Donovan McNabb in the first round uh, and having him sit for about half that season, I believe it was. Uh, Doug Peterson was actually the starting quarterback in the first game that Andy Reid ever coached. And you look back at some of the other players uh, that played in that game for the Eagles, guys like Al Harris, Brian Dawkins, uh, Hugh Douglas, Eric Bieniemy, and Troy Vincent. Uh, works there at the NFL now. So uh, some big names there, but always found it interesting and loved the relationship uh, during my time with the Chiefs, uh, with Doug and Coach Reed and all the stories that those guys had uh, together. So obviously don't hope a lot of success for Doug this Sunday, uh, but do hope that he has some success down there in Jacksonville. And again, uh, the starting quarterback for the first game that Andy Reed ever coached as an NFL head coach. And I guess a random uh, nugget to go along with that is that at the time that Philadelphia Eagles had hired Andy Reed as their head coach, at that time, it was like the first time a head coach uh, within the last decade at that time uh, had been hired as a head coach that had never been a coordinator, either a defensive coordinator or an offensive coordinator. Andy Reid went straight from quarterbacks coach to NFL head coach. And most of the time nowadays, you see guys uh, that are coordinator um, on one side of the ball, whatever their focus is. But anyway, it is Tuesday, and we appreciate you for tuning into this episode of KCS and Update, it's your daily Chiefs podcast and video from us here at KC Sports Network. I'm BJ Kissel, founder of KC Sports Network and former Chiefs sideline reporter and insider. And it, because it's Tuesday, that means we are going to be joined by the Athletics' Nate Taylor, who's going to help us break down some of what stood out to him being there at Arrowhead Stadium on Sunday in that game between the Chiefs and Titans that, again, uh, kind of brutal to watch uh, if you're a Chiefs fan. Again, one of those games, I said this yesterday, but you definitely want to go back and watch that one again, knowing how it ended. Might uh, appreciate it a little bit more than uh, did in the moment. But uh, looking forward to chatting with Nate and our five burning questions with him. But before we bring on Nate, 
Let's get a quick word from our presenting sponsor of this show and a big supporter of KC Sports Network, DraftKings. NFL Sundays are only getting better, and so are the incredible offers at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Right now, new customers can just bet $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. And check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a same-game parlay and combine multiple bets like which team will win. Uh, player props, point totals, and a lot more. Uh, I personally like the anytime scores. Uh, you feel like you always have a chance in anytime the ball is being thrown or ran or whatever it is. Uh, I feel like you got an opportunity and you can spread it around the entire NFL and obviously get a lot more odds uh, for guys that uh, aren't as likely to score touchdowns. And those are always fun. So uh, with payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is my go-to when betting on the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code KCSN, and place a $5 pregame Moneyline bet to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code KCSN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, now let's welcome on Nate Taylor from The Athletic. You can find him on Twitter at by Nate Taylor, plus obviously his work over at The Athletic covering the Kansas City Chiefs and his podcast, Times Hours, with Seth Kaiser and Josh Briscoe. It's Tuesday, Nate, so I always enjoy Tuesdays because I know you and I get a chance to, to talk a little Chiefs football now that the dust has settled. It's a perfect day to talk. The dust has settled a little bit. Everybody can kind of figure out how they feel about mm-hmm. that last game. Yeah, and like everybody can uh, look at the standings and probably feel a lot better than they <laughs> maybe thought, like towards the late part of the third quarter, right? I mean, it was, you know, I'll, I'll give a shout out to my guy, Joshua Briscoe, who I thought sort of uh, described it best. It was like it was kind of a sneaky, important game, is how he sort of described it, yeah. uh, because you don't want to have lost a tiebreaker to both the Buffalo Bills and the Tennessee Titans, both those teams. Uh, we assume we're probably going to win their divisions if they, you know, the stars play relatively healthy and then uh, play up to form. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 one of those like comebacks that isn't necessarily thrilling, but it is uh, a Chiefs, you know, comeback um, in a style where Mahomes, you know, kind of has to do everything. Um, but yeah, I feel like coming off the bye week. Uh, they probably played an opponent that they never enjoy playing. Yeah. Um, but it feels better when you win versus what they had to do last year, which was basically um, reinvent themselves after playing the Tennessee Titans last year. This year, um, because it's a slightly new offense, because the defense is a lot younger and just more capable, I think, um, they can feel good that they didn't play their best, but they still won. Um, and now they need to show, you know, a little bit more of who they are against the Jacksonville Jaguars, a team that's been very um, hard to predict all season long. Mm -hmm. Um, Because at one point I was watching red zone and the Jags were down 17, nothing. And I thought, well, okay, I don't need to really, you know, mentally check in. And then I made my drive to the stadium and I was like, they won. (laughs) Like (laughs) what? (laughs) So, um, so it'll be fascinating to see what the game plan is this week, BJ, but it's a lot better um, knowing that they did win that game uh, so that they can still, you know, be in good, comfortable position for the AFC race as we enter the second half of the season. Yeah, it'll get into some of the my five burning questions that I have for you, but I think my biggest takeaway from the game on Sunday, and not that I was 
disrespectful to Mike Vrabel. I just maybe didn't give him enough credit for mm. how good of a coach he is. Because at some point you play poorly offensively the same <laughs> against the same team for long mm-hmm. enough with the same coach. Like, you know what? The guy's pretty damn good at what it's he does. Uh, yeah. And the other part of it was I was so kind of holding back this week going into that or last week going into the game against the Titans because mm-hmm. the Bucks game and you and I talked about the Bucks game, the Niners yep. game. I was like, Hey, don't expect to get right game from the chiefs offense. going to be brutal. going to slug it out. That's what I expected in right. those games that we right. saw last night against the Titans. So <laughs> going into this one, I was like, I have no idea. Like every time they go up against a good defense, they light it up. So yes, I'm not going to doubt them anymore, but this could be a brutal game and just kind of like rode the fence. Cause I was like, you know what? I've already tried it twice, did not work at all. And then uh, it ended up being a, kind of what you expected when those two teams get mm-hmm. together, um, getting it done up front. But let's get into the five burning questions. And it kind of just talked about it right there. But uh, And I, I made this point on the intro and in that this is definitely one of those games you go back and rewatch as a Chiefs fan, knowing that it ended a nice way. It might be a more mm-hmm. enjoyable experience than it was <laughs> watching live. But <laughs> – how should Chiefs fans feel about this game afterwards? Should they be primarily happy or primarily worried based on some of the things that we saw? Uh, I think Chiefs fans should feel good, right? Um, and it's funny you mentioned sort of the rewatch element, BJ, because, <laughs> you know, my son Hayden is seven. Uh, he did not watch the game live, of course, because it's a school night. Um, and midway through the third quarter, he's like, they won this game? And I think that's a good frame of mind to have. like. You know the outcome. It wasn't how you anticipated. I, I think you're spot on in saying that, like, hey, uh, this is a division leading team that has mm-hmm. a pretty good defense. It's not going to be 40 points, you know. Um, that's what makes those sort of shootouts or those blowouts, I should say, even more enjoyable because they are such a surprise and they show you such a very part of their offense in terms mm-hmm. of play calling, skill set, and obviously what the quarterback can do. But I think you should feel comfortable about this game if you're a Chiefs fan because um, this proves yet again, even without Tyreek Hill, that you can't just dominate time of possession, that you can't just run the ball, that you can't just be physically dominant up front and that be enough. Um, You have to outscore the Chiefs. That is still, (laughs) in my opinion, the best possible way of beating them unless you're the Indianapolis Colts and you just happen to come on, you know, for whatever reason that day that the chiefs special teams is just abysmal. So mm-hmm. if we remove that out of the equation, because we think in January, um, the team will be obviously mentally and prepared, focused, motivated. I, I think this tells you that like they can find another gear when the game matters late in the fourth quarter or in overtime and they can play with the clear understanding that Patrick Mahomes, more times than not, is yeah. still going to be, like, supremely excellent. You know, I wrote it in my story on The Athletic, BJ, but it was both symbolic and quite literal that he carried them in that comeback with his legs, with his decision-making, Um it's amazing to me that as defenses get more better or statistically just from the eye test, there's actually been a pretty good wave of draft classes of mm-hmm. defensive players, like yeah. slightly better than like quarterbacks and like 
tight ends. And well, like explosive players. plays are down across the NFL. Like there's a lot right. of really interesting numbers when you look around mm-hmm. and thought that this trend was just going to continue of offenses dominating everything and not having defensive players. And it probably a lot of variables go into it, but yeah. Yeah. And, and part of that is because offensive line play is not good this year um, <laughs> by and large. Like, and so for your, so if you're the chiefs, it's like, their offensive line has not been as good as advertised when the season began, but at least they are the same five players, and at least they play better as the game sort of goes along. Yeah. If you're not competing against Von Miller. So <laughs> Jeffrey Simmons is very good, but eventually they wore him down. Eventually Mahomes yeah. figured out what the scheme was um, and how to sort of counterattack it. They have multiple ways to counterattack whatever a defense gives them. And I think yeah. Chiefs fans should still trust that Steve Spagnolo, as these younger players get more experience, will find the adequate adjustments. Um, the Chiefs can win in multiple ways, and that will guide you sometimes to a Super Bowl. Um, and so I think Chiefs fans should feel comfortable, even though it's not the way they want most games to go, um, or it's not as thrilling, as I said earlier. But I do think Chiefs fans should feel good about the idea that like Mahomes can still be amazing in the fourth quarter the defense can still be serviceable and can actually statistically trend better. I think over the course of the second half of the season, that's what Steve Spagnuolo's teams usually do. Um, And as long as your offensive line is intact, you have an advantage over a lot of offenses in the league who have struggled with an influx of guys in and out and just a lack of consistency from the offensive line standpoint moving forward. So it's not the best coaching job, I think from the chiefs offense. Um, But I do think they, they are still talented enough to, to overcome uh, yeah. a pretty adverse situation. That's why I like talking to you so much. You, you spark like six things in my mind. I have to like take notes over here <laughs> to remember to bring all of them up because uh, as far as play calling, the one thing I'll say, and we had a second screen watch party, so you can go back and mm. not you know watch us watch a game, but uh, make a lot of comments about expecting them to see more of the, you know, the jet sweep action, you know, the stuff up the middle with the running wasn't working. And I know they tried right. the kind of reverse you know, jet sweep pitch yeah. to McColl mm-hmm. that they got a little bit and he got six yards on first down, which was a lot better than the, you know, 1.1, yeah. 1.2 <laughs> they were getting, uh, running the ball up the middle on first down, which, uh, had Kent Swanson about to lose his mind, uh, every time <laughs> they did it. But a couple things, one, I didn't think about this point until you just kind of alluded, you were talking around it that talking about coming off the bye week and how tired the Titans defense was the fact that chiefs ran 92 plays offensively mm-hmm. wore them down. And I wonder how much that benefited the chiefs coming off the bye because of how many plays mm-hmm. they ran on that side um, that the Titans Titans defense at the end of the overtime, they were exhausted. Like cool. it wasn't just Jeffrey yes. Simmons. Those guys were done. And yeah. I didn't think about it uh, until this point uh, that, you know, that might, that probably had a whole lot to do with it coming off the bye where the, our guys were a little more fresh, a little more rested, before we get to the second, <clears throat> the official second question here, I do want to get your thoughts because I know what moment it was for me, but was there a moment or a play during that game because it was so anti-Chiefs mm-hmm. for so long? And maybe it's because mm-hmm. we're expecting greatness all the time and this high-flying yeah. offense. Was there a play where you're just like, all right, they're probably going to win this game, like now, and, and not the last kick? You can't say that. Uh, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think for me uh, – it was after the touchdown run um, because mm-hmm. third and set. Once he converts on third and seventeen, I'm like, "Well, mm-hmm. they're scoring a touchdown." So the next question is, can they convert the two point conversion play? Yeah. Um, and actually, the play that let me know that they were going to win the game was 
um, the just absolute, like, let's turn the clock back to 1960s football. Hike, I'm going to bear hug you. Um, <laughs> the, the, the Titans know that the Chiefs are so creative and they execute so well in those, like, condensed spaces, those, like, gotta have it plays near the goal line that when they had consecutive penalties on the two point conversion play, I'm like, they're, they're, they're going yeah. to, they're going to convert, which was funny because Mahomes wasn't touched on the play. And that's a, you know, huge credit to Jarek McKinnon. Um, yeah. But like, he, you know, Patrick is right. I mean, Juju was open. Um, he just chose to yeah. run the ball, um, take matters into his own hands. But when, when the penalty occurred and I was like, you know, sure. Do the Titans have a, have a reason to be upset yeah is there a little bit of flopping because like if my helmet's loose ah look at it it's, it's completely well <laughs> yeah. what what is happening yes i just bear hugged him and tried to tackle him but look what he yes. did to my helmet <laughs> he said hike and the dude was like i ha- i can't i can't i can't let you run i can't let you run around um so when the penalty occurred i was like well they're probably gonna you know, that means they're going to convert because now you're starting from the one yard line and yeah, based on what you had seen in the second half um, and just, you know, covering this team for, you know, going on six years now, it's just like, yeah, you let them tie the game in that manner. They're, they're going to win. Yeah. Um, so for, that was, that me. was the, that was a play for me. It was a play that actually, you know, didn't, didn't, it didn't mean anything other than like, well, they, they, they know they can't stop them in this, in this two point yeah. conversion situation. I figure they just keep taking uh, penalties uh in like <laughs> all of those because we can't run the ball so it doesn't matter how many times you go half the distance like we're six inches out like i'm not confident running the football getting six <laughs> inches right now so just keep calling keep holding and yeah, tackling and right. maybe they won't see one um right. but yeah for me it was the third and 17 scramble i've said i said mm-hmm. it yesterday as soon as mahomes did that and they showed very well on the sideline he's just like oh, oh here we go again like oh, it's the same on. look yeah it, it is the same look from the afc championship game and i I kind of wanted to like write about it, but I was like, I don't think it's like, you know, I, I chose not to do it um, just because there was other stuff going on. But it, it is like when you rewatch the game, the broadcast version of it, and you want to pull up that 2019 clip after the the run right before halftime, it's the same. It's the same. It's the same like acknowledgement of 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 doom, like expecting you know, I- doom. I hope I don't get this wrong. I think it was Seth. Somebody a few years ago made like a montage of coaches and players reacting after crazy Mahomes plays. And it was just a bunch of people just, just what do you expect us to do? Yeah. <laughs> How can we do this? Yeah. Anyway. So he, you know, variables like, well, we, we, we had him in the right coverage. No one's open. Uh, he was pressured and he got 20 yards. So now yeah. what? Good luck. Good luck stopping that. And yeah, that's definitely a game. I was going to go back and watch it yesterday. I got caught up. So I might do it today, um, if not tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, watch that game again because I think it'll be much more enjoyable. But let's move on to the second question. It kind of bled into a lot of things that we've already been talking about. But what was your biggest takeaway uh, overall from the Chiefs win on Sunday night? Oh, good question. Um, the biggest takeaway, because I don't think it was necessary, you know, um, my job, ladies and gentlemen, is to write about Mahomes' comebacks and to like explain them in great detail. That is like part of my job at the Athletic. Sometimes you do look at things in like the more grand perspective, uh, which is kind of to this question. I think my biggest takeaway is that um, that's a really good question. 
I think my biggest takeaway probably is the fact that you pretty much know who will matter from the rookie class moving forward. And what I mean by that is Trent McDuffie came black, came back, excuse me, and he looked fine, looked excellent. You know, they tried him a couple times. It didn't work. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, the coverage from him, Joshua Williams, and uh, Jalen Watson was was very good. Um, You understand that Isaiah Pacheco is going to be involved, but, like, when the game really matters, I think it is fascinating that Jerick McKinnon is the running back they trust the most. It's just that's yep. just the reality, you know. Um, I'm not sure Leo Chanel matters into the equation because mm-hmm. what he was, you know, what we were told that he was most uh effective at that might that might still take some time because you might see mm-hmm. Derrick Henry in the in January again in a rematch, yeah. and I'm not sure he's a better player than Darius Harris right now. Um, and so I think. Coming off the bye week, now having eight games, you pretty much know who the rookies are that are that are like really going to matter. That are really going to be the reason you have success in the postseason or not. I, you know, yeah. you haven't seen Darian Kennard. You're not going to see him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Sky Moore not going to be on punt return anymore, so he's just going to be a small part of the offense um, that might blossom in the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I try to think from a grand perspective of things that like we're trying to learn over the course of the season, my mind sort of goes there where it's like, it's a 10 man rookie class. And I think five of them, I think half the group are yeah. legitimate guys. Um, maybe six, you know, I didn't mention Carl Loftus, but like, you know, he's going to be a starter. He's going to be in the yeah. rotation all year. So it's maybe five or six, depending on, um, how the rest of the season goes. Yeah, that's crazy for any of us. And obviously you were there every day seeing what Sky Moore was doing up at training camp. It has been surprising. And even coming out of the draft, I'd said Leo Chanel is going to be one of my favorite players in this draft because of the way that he goes out there and makes plays. And it will take some time to get there. Um, But yeah, it's been a little surprising to see the and not tackling the way that we just kind of expected when you see some of those highlights and the physicality uh, that he brought. So not that he can't get there. And there's a lot to think about (laughs) when you're running around the field. And Mm -hmm. uh, it takes time for those guys to develop. But we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. 
On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Let's move on to the third question. And this one is just right there for you. Uh, Patrick Mahomes leading the MVP odds right now. It's early, eight games in, but does he stay there right now? I just looked it up on DraftKings. He is plus 200, mm. and Jalen Hurts is plus 250. Mm. Josh Allen plus 350, mm. and Tua is plus 800, and then it's – And here we go. Yep. So those are the three. Mahomes, Hurts, Allen. Does he relinquish – the best odds at any point in the rest of the regular season? Um, I'm not sure he'll relinquish. So I'll answer that to start, but I just want to, I just want to get Chiefs fans to envision what the future will probably be like. I know y'all don't want to hear me say this. Mm-hmm. It's an offensive stat. It's an offensive award. You know, last mm-hmm. year, last year, and it'll be slightly different, but last year, I had a vote and I voted Cooper Cup for the league's MVP because when you looked at the film, he was always open. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the receiver is so good and so great that he supersedes the quarterback and he actually supersedes the coaching staff because when they, when the Rams would give Cooper Cup option routes, when they would run him deep, when they would just say, please get open on third down because you're the only guy we trust. And this is before Odell Beckham joined the team. I just thought Cooper Cup was like the best football player on offense last year, even with well, Matthew Stafford. Are you setting me up telling me you're voting Tyreek Hill for the MVP? What I am telling you, BJ, oh, okay. we are in a race. We are in a race. We are in a race right now to see who has better odds in early January between okay. Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill because the he, Dolphins are, are going to make the playoffs as, as it looks right now. And Tyreke he's on pace Hill, to bur- – yeah. Go yeah, go, you, you, yeah. No, go I, I'm sorry. I didn't know that's where you're going with no, it. So you, you take it. No, you, you sure? Because you can, you can yes. tell everybody what the stat is. The man is on pace for 2,000 receiving yards. Mm. Okay? They are one of the highest scoring offenses in the league. I have to refresh the stats because I haven't looked no. at them since Sunday night's game, but they are, they're one of the most explosive offenses. He is better at his job than Tua Tunga Bailoa is. He is better at his job right now than Mike McDaniels. Patrick Mahomes, it's, it's largely a quarterback stat. And I kind of hate that because like the quarterback's got to throw it to somebody. He's got to trust other players. Other players can dominate the game not starting with the ball in their hands. If I voted for Cooper Cup, who won the NFL's Triple Crown for receiving last year, Tyreek Hill's going to get close in terms of yards and receptions. Now, he might not have as many touchdowns. We'll see how it goes. But let's say the Chiefs are the one seed. Let's see they Let's say they leap over the Bills. Then that's a really strong case for Patrick Mahomes, and he will be close to five thousand receive uh, passing yards. But, 
in his own in his own way. You know, you were talking about stats. Yeah, but you were talking about stats. So is it mm-hmm. equally as impressive that Patrick Mahomes can put up similar stats that he has throughout his career without a player that we're promoting here, like yep. Tyreek Hill? Hey, fair question, BJ. That's why I am anticipating, I am projecting <laughs> that in early January, one of the biggest conversations will be Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and a sprinkle of Jalen Hurts. Now, if the Eagles go 17 and 0, that's going to be hard to deny. But we yep. know how this works. You're going to be watching Sundays on some Sunday, and they're going to be down. By the way, yep. the Eagles, as fascinating as they are, have yet to, like, when have they been at a disadvantage position in the second half all season? It is crazy. Um, and I mean, people were going insane that they were tied with the Texans at halftime on a Thursday night game. Um, but no, I, I truly believe that we are that we are on a collision course, BJ, for who had a more MVP season, Patrick Mahomes or Tyreek Hill. And I didn't think we'd get there, but we're there. Like Tyreek Hill is carrying the Miami Dolphins offense, and Patrick Mahomes is doing it obviously in a very similar way for the Chiefs. Yeah, Tyreek Hill has 1,104 receiving yards right now. It's <laughs> nine stupid games. good. Yeah. Stupid good. And, I mean, he's wide open all the time. <laughs> like, you know how many yards he'd have if he wasn't underthrown all the time? And I hate to make that joke because it became like true. a thing. But it's dead. Like, there's it's multiple highlights every week of him eight yards behind the defense and then catching a contested pass where he has to jump up over a defensive back. And he still has 1,100 yards. It's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, so, you know, I'm assuming right. it'll go to a quarterback, but I, I do want to acknowledge that Tyreek Hill is making making an MVP case through, uh, you know, eight, nine weeks. It will be really interesting if Tyreek is on p- pace to break Calvin Johnson's record. Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes and the Chiefs are leading the AFC and he's doing his thing and their schedule gets a little bit easier. So he'll put up some numbers uh, and then the Eagles are undefeated. That's going to just be an interesting kind of dilemma uh, and discussion yeah. as we get closer. And the other real question is at what point does Mercury Moore start getting weekly airtime? Um, talking about the 72 Dolphins in the undefeated season. That's what I want to know. Has it happened before Thanksgiving or is it after Thanksgiving? Uh, <laughs> yeah, can they? You gotta get. You gotta get to December. I remember when like Peyton Manning and like the Saints back in the day. Like you gotta get to December for it yeah. to be like okay. Now you've grabbed the country's attention. Uh, so if the yeah. Eagles can do that, which hey, you know they still gotta play the Cowboys, still gotta play the Giants. Outside of that, it's a pretty nice schedule, dog. It's pretty. It's pretty. Pretty. Pretty excellent. All right, let's move on to the fourth. That was the number three question. Number four question. Little bit easier and number five. I'm surprising you. You don't have okay. any idea that this one is coming. It has nothing to do with the, it has nothing to do with the Chiefs. I just feel obligated to give this some uh some airtime and to talk about it because it is a an NFL thing right now. Uh but mm-hmm. number four, how should we feel about Harrison Bucker right now? His season was snatched from him. It's it's unfortunate, you know. Um it's funny, you know, amongst us reporters who cover the team every day, whether it's Matt Derrick or Herbert Teofi, mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously my guy Pete Sweeney, you know, there was a discussion last week as to, like, why is Matthew Wright still on the team? You know, he's on the practice squad. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did at one point have the franchise record for the longest field goal made. <laughs> um, I just, 
every year, man, I look at it and I'm like, yep, Justin Tucker, he is the best kicker in the league. And he is yet, yet again, denied Harrison Bucker an all pro pro bowl honor season. It's, it's wild mm-hmm. that Harrison Bucker is as talented as he is. He's never had a pro bowl nod yep. because Justin Tucker exists. Um, yep. I think, you know, I projected BJ watched him at training camp that he was going to be the best kicker in the league this year. Mm-hmm. That he had sort of put his mind and focus towards that. Um, and the and just the production was there. I mean, we we all had our fun with Justin Reed as like the prototypical, you know, fun-loving emergency kicker that'll never see the field. And then he saw the field in week one. <laughs> um, so for Harrison Bucker, it's going to be hard for him just because I think that ankle is going to just have an impact on him. I mean, everything in kicking is timing and precision. And he's been you think slightly off. You still think that's bothering him? Yes. Yeah. Is that I mean, okay? Yeah, I, I still think he's not a hundred percent, and I don't think he'll. Mm. You know, it'll be fascinating. You know, I think we'll talk to him um, either this week or next week. You know, um, Harrison's been one of the more honest guys that'll mm-hmm. really take you yeah. through the entire process, and it's really fascinating if you, you know, for Chiefs fans, if you really want to understand why he's good at his job. I mean, the dude studies like crazy. And it's all precision based, even though everybody knows he has a powerful leg. He was one of the more accurate kickers in NFL history before mm-hmm. the season began. But him slipping on that turf in State Farm Stadium, the, the again, the stadium where you want to get to at yeah. the end of the season for the Super Bowl, um, because that field was so slippery and, and not, you know, it was, it was so loose. Um, I just I just look at it as a as a un fulfilled year for him and that it might be an issue all year long. Um, and that's why Matthew Wright's on the team because yeah. you just, you just don't, you don't know if it's going to flare up again. Um, and obviously you commend him for coming back and trying to do his job to the best of his abilities. But I think in some ways he's impacted or compromised or just the precision is slightly off and um, you hope it's going to get better, but it's only going to get colder. And you need yeah. you need your legs to be right um, to kick at that high of a level, you know, when the pressure really is on in the postseason. Yeah, I for me and it, there's always going to be a reason for it. You know, he is still one of the best kickers he, until unless there's an injury flare up. He's going mm-hmm. to be the guy. Doesn't matter if you miss another extra point field goal. Like Harrison Butker is the guy. What I hate. <laughs> is that maybe this is just that we've become so accustomed to just knowing that Patrick Mahomes is going to go make a play. And we had taken Harrison Butker and how good he is for granted that now we don't have to worry about that. He's going to go drill a 54 yard field goal on one step um, Mm -hmm. on the day that he, uh, you know, pulled it or or, uh, rolled it or whatever. But I just don't like the fact that now after they score a touchdown, I'm holding my breath on every extra point and every Mm -hmm. chip shot, you know, within for him within the first, you know, 45 yards holding right. our, holding our breath, um, knowing, is he going to get this? Whereas two years ago is automatic or even last year, just automatic, like not having yeah. to think about it at all. Obviously there's reasons for it, but that just, that part bothers me as a fan. I mean, that's a spoiled chiefs fan coming out and being like, well, you just, <laughs> sorry, you don't have one of the greatest kickers. That's how the rest of us feel all the time that aren't in Baltimore, um, watching Justin Tucker do his thing. Um, I do want to throw this other question in there real quick to you, Nate, though. Yeah, sure. I just got a text message. Um, little birdie. I don't know if he wants me to say his name, but I uh, was listening to the Times Ours, and you had alluded to something about Christmas Eve. 
And I'm following back up on this as somebody with uh, a couple kids and, uh, you know, a post game show that uh, is this real? I'll just tease it like that. And then you can share the rest for anyone who doesn't know what I'm talking about, but spill the beans if you got them. Okay. <laughs> I think we, I think as, as Chiefs fans and as media people who cover the team, I think we can take a deep breath. There was some speculation on Sunday because you sort of, now we're entering the flex schedule part uh-huh. uh, from a broadcasting standpoint. And you start looking at like matchups and like, you know, the Chiefs are always going to be like, we can put them on the marquee and people are going to watch. And look, uh, yeah. it wasn't a spectacular game, but, you know, people obviously wanted to see what Mahomes would do in the fourth quarter on Sunday night. So my thought was uh, the most interesting home game left in the Chiefs schedule is against the Seattle Seahawks, who are leading the NFC West, who play the Chiefs on – Looks at calendar, Christmas Eve. Um, there was some thought that, like, maybe the league would want to flex that game because, you know, people are going to be in their homes on Christmas Eve. Um, but I think we can all take a deep breath because BJ just, just came down as we were recording this, um, you know, because I have to check my phone every now and then. Yep. We can all we can all take a deep breath because the Pittsburgh Steelers are so bad this year <laughs> that they are doing the Chiefs and us a service. Yet again, I've said this before. If you can get to LA and see SoFi Stadium, do it. Now the Chiefs will be playing the Chargers flexed on Sunday night football, 820 on November 20th. So it was supposed to be Bengals Steelers. That is definitely getting up out of here because yeah. the Steelers are in full rebuild mode. And look, this might be the last stand for the Chargers yet again to try to prevent the Chiefs from being the AFC West champions. So that is how it's probably going to be billed by NBC. Obviously, Amazon Prime got their share of it, and now NBC wants the other half with Herbert. Mahomes, and hey, the Chargers were supposed to be the best team that could, you know, compete and maybe uh, take the AFC West this year. Um, this might be the Chiefs' chance to put it to rest, uh, based on how the standings look right now, and the Chargers being the only team that looks slightly competent in the division. So now that that game's being flexed, I don't believe Chiefs Seahawks will be flexed. Because yeah, I was looking at flexed. that. You can that only Chris flex the Eve schedule. Flexed. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that solves that thing. Cause I was looking at that Giants Vikings game might be pretty interesting to flex as mm-hmm. well on Christmas mm-hmm. Eve. I was gonna start making cases for all the other games that should be flexed. <laughs> and not that one, but instead Chiefs Chargers. Uh good stuff. Well, that uh that timing worked out really well for us. It really did. So. Yeah, yeah. You know, the league, the league is like I knew the league was working on this Sunday because you know, I see the I see what's coming up and I understand like how it all works, and it's like, I don't know, kids. I don't know, like Geno Smith, like, yeah. I don't know, man, they're six and three, like, you know, and it's a, it's not a conference matchup, which I think NBC probably wants to promote more, but it is one of those more, you know, surprising, like, hey, this could be kind of, you know, important. So um, yeah. you knew the Chiefs were going to get flexed at some point, right. um, so it's, it's better to do it 
sooner rather than later from NBC's perspective. Yeah. And the one takeaway I had from, you know, obviously Buffalo, you know, losing last mm-hmm. week was, was great knowing going into that game, which made it even better when they did pull it out was the yeah. fact that the, the disappointing thing is the chargers pulled out a miracle win themselves that they feel like kind of got handed to them a little bit. And the chargers are a game behind, like they're yeah, right there. Right. So yeah. for all the injuries they've had and for, they've had a couple of games like that, that they probably shouldn't have won. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'd be nice to have an extra game uh, between them. And uh, until that happens, and I think they know that's going to happen soon, they got to get that game flexed on the schedule while it's still uh, as relevant as possible for the Chargers. Right. Uh, fade away like they seem to do every Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Single year. All right, let's get to the fifth and final question. And this has nothing to do with the Chiefs. And it's not good news, but I feel like something that should be talked about because it's been a player throughout NFL history and during his career that, has been rewarded as being one of the best quarterbacks in NFL history, and now he's caught up in another scandal. And get your thoughts on the Brett Favre uh, latest, if you've seen the headlines today. Uh, I'll read the uh, ESPN article at the very beginning. just says, mm-hmm. two concussion drug companies backed by Brett Favre and enmeshed in an, a massive welfare fraud case overstated their NFL connections and exaggerated the known effectiveness of their drugs during efforts to raise money, according to interviews and documents reviewed by ESPN. At what point are nationally, and I, Adam Schefter tweeted this out, but at, at some point, everyone is going to look at him completely differently. I do not. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There's too much smoke with this, uh, with all of the stuff. There's too much. They have text. They have everything on this guy um, and what he's done to people in Mississippi and the way that yeah. he's revered down there still by some. Uh, it's kind of sickening, to be completely honest with you, Nate. Yeah, the way we should view Brett Favre is um, the word fraudulent comes to mind. Mm-hmm. And um, and it mostly makes me sad because, um, you know, during his career and, you know, obviously I was younger at the time. I wasn't in the business yet, um, but he was one of the more beloved players yeah. in his era. Um not only for the play style he had, but the fact that he was pretty accessible based on people that have covered the leagues that are older than me that I've talked to. Um, Mm -hmm. But this is fraudulent behavior and you obviously can't, it's, it's surprising how, you know, there's a phrase that I think I wrestle with all the time is that, you know, some people will say, well, you know, people don't change or people who people are who they are. And I think there's obviously some truth to that, but I also think too, like people can change people can um, for better and for worse. And this is obviously the latter in that sort of uh, category, but it's, um, 
you know, as someone, you know, a part of our jobs as reporters, as journalists, is like trying to give some level of perspective and then obviously, you know, trying to see it from the other person's point of view, right? And then being honest about how you assess it and then just what the facts are. And you you read the facts to everyone, BJ. Like, this is, this is mad wild. Um, this is just awful behavior. I can't put myself in his position or in his thought process where I would want to do this to like my own community that I'm from the community that I'm representing, um, you know, from a economic standpoint, Mississippi is like not great compared to mm-hmm. other States in the country in terms of development and obviously resources that are necessary for, um, you know, just being, just being a, a thriving part of the country. I don't think you can necessarily say that about Mississippi. So if you're portraying mm-hmm. yourself as someone from there who is trying to benefit uh, or is trying to give back or is trying to do like, you know, I mean, just BJ, I'm trying to imagine misrepresenting things relating to concussions as a former NFL player. Like it just, yeah. what? Like that, no. It, it seems wild. It just it seems wild and it seems yeah, it just seems the I mean, part it's, from it's for anybody yeah, the part for me, it's one thing he was trying to help his daughter at Southern Miss. He was trying to get a volleyball facility built, etc. She was playing volleyball, like any dad with means uh would try yeah. to help in that kind of way, but then to figure out like the best way to do this is to bring this money that's earmarked for helping people and bring mm-hmm. that over and use it to build a multi-million dollar volleyball play. Like it's that part where it was not him just trying to help. And he can be like, oh, I didn't know where it was coming from. Like, no, we, they've got the proof. Like they, yeah. you red handed, like know what's going on and reading through the rest of this article, you can find it on the front page of ESPN right now, if yeah. you're listening um, or just Google right far and it'll all come up. Um, but it just gets worse. I mean, they're the CEO of the company. They had been in financial trouble. Um, and their way of getting out of it was to over-exaggerate the effectiveness and then to uh, receive the $2.1 million uh, funds that were earmarked for welfare families. And he told ESPN, the Van Landenham as uh, the CEO said, I had no idea it was welfare money. I've always been an upstanding person when it comes to research. So uh, not something that there's going to be a lot of lawyers as Andrew Brandt yep. would say, there will be lawyers. Uh, but just felt like, we talk a lot about NFL and the conversation always goes places. And uh, yeah, it's interesting with his connection, obviously to coach Reed. And I, I interviewed Brett Favre when Brett, when Patrick Mahomes got drafted, he was one of the guys, Donovan McNabb and Brett Favre that I reached out and interviewed. And actually when I was talking to Brett Favre, he was driving his daughter and her two friends back from a volleyball camp. Uh, he's mm-hmm. in the car for like an hour. And he was like, I got all the time in the world. I got my, three, my daughter and her two friends in the backseat. Let's, let's talk football. And I was talking about developing quarterbacks and he gave me some really good nuggets. Like you said, he's really personable, kind of like a, mm-hmm. a kid and you can see why the media liked covering him. But this mm-hmm. stuff, it just, you learn more about people and uh, this is going to get a whole lot worse before it gets better for him. Yep. And, and one of the things that I would always say is, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily matter who you are, but did you th- not think that like, because your name's associated with this and like someone wouldn't look into <laughs> your business. Like it just, you know, 
that's what it is when you're a public figure. Um, so it's it's surprising that you would make these decisions. Um, but people can, you know, people can change and it can be um, unbeneficial or it could be troublesome. Um, and we'll see where this goes. But yeah, I just think. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. You know, um, it's sad. I don't, I don't, yeah. yeah. I don't know. If, I don't know if we'll get like, uh, like what you would hope is like you'd get some level of honesty. And I don't know if we'll get that. You know, I, I have reasons to be skeptical based on what we've learned about his behavior and his actions and decisions over the last couple of years. I mean, even before, let's not pretend that there weren't scandals uh, with pictures and text messages mm-hmm. and all kinds of stuff when he was in the league. So um, there's definitely, I would say, a pattern of the same kind of stuff, but it's not uh, coming completely out of nowhere. There's more people start to dig and start to put it all together. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, sad for the NFL, obviously sad for people of Mississippi. And I can't imagine uh, people who've been supporting him and been down there that had no idea about any of this stuff, how they feel um, right. down there. It's just a... Outside observer loves the NFL, obviously, and you know, watching throughout his career is always fun to watch. This, this stuff's just disappointing. There's a lot of probably very uncomfortable uh, conversations that are going to need to take place publicly on some national media platforms with people that are close uh, with him or have spoken about him in a certain way. It'll be mm-hmm. really interesting to see how that all kind of plays out. And this, it's there's too much now for it not mm-hmm. to be discussed. So, um, anyway, we'll see how it all plays out. I know I dropped it on you, but uh, no, happy watch. to do it chat yeah. with you about that a little bit and appreciate everybody for tuning in uh, to this episode of KCSN update. We know there's a lot of great places to get chiefs content. We appreciate you stopping and hanging out with us for a little bit today, whether you're watching on YouTube, hit that like, and subscribe button and let us know in the comments. If uh, I missed any burning questions and uh, yeah, leave a question. Maybe we'll use one of those next week when we ch- chat with Nate after hopefully the chiefs pick up their seventh win of the season against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, but as Nate broke earlier, um, via Twitter um, on this show. The Chiefs and the Chargers got flexed on yep. November 20th to Sunday Night Football. But appreciate everybody for hanging out. We'll see you all next time. we got plenty more content at KCSN. Stay tuned.